are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day. And there's no Roger Gibbs. No Roger Gibbs. Roger Gibbs has gone on another holiday for the <sighs> next four weeks, I think. Yeah. He's in England, so he's going to be our reporter on the ground. We're actually going to make him do stuff on the ground. Well, we, I reckon we should. Technology we, permits. That we should make him do stuff. Yeah. 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 We maybe give us a, a weekly report that we can add in at the end of the shed. Um, or maybe he could do the end game from over there. Yeah, just call us up. That'll be sm- seamless, seamless yeah. and smooth. Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> um, Jeff, what are you drinking? You're drinking beer out of a glass today. Jingdao! Oh, you, Jingdao! You, you're going Chinese. Chinese! Sorry, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, is it Chinese? Yeah, it's Chinese. Um, yeah, I drank it, it in China. It was cheap, $15 for six. Have you ever drank it in China? Yes. It tastes way better in China. I don't know why that is. Uh, it's probably because there's not other beers out there. There's a certain kind of unique taste to the water in China. That's <laughs> true. They're using <laughs> yeah, the beer. That's yeah, yeah, true. Um, I'm on uh, Bundaberg ginger beer because I'm oh. driving again because Rog isn't here. Hardcore. So uh, hardcore, John. Well, at least you mix it up. Though. Yeah, I know. A bit of variation that. rather than cost more than the Aldi wine though. Are you serious? I bought two of them, five sixty. Oh come on! Then Aldi wine's five bucks for a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a six ad world, yes. John Hewitt, six ad world. It is. But um, every week we start with a question. But before we get started, it's a little bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, or ask Rog how his holidays are going, um, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk Nonsense. This week's question is about a Man United player called Marcus Rashford. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, I thought um, there might be some kind of United yes, really. We, yeah, yeah, I was going to say Man United and Everton have had very good weeks, and there's no Roger here to stop us just waxing <laughs> lyrical for an hour. <laughs> so I think we earned it. We've done our time. Yeah, yeah. We've done our time. Strap in, everybody. <laughs> but Rashford has scored 13 goals this season in all competitions. Jeez, that's a lot. How many games has this taken him? What, this season? Yeah, but in all competitions, so not just the Premier League. Starts or games? Just, just says games. 16. No, 21. Oh, sorry. So no, so not as good as that, no. Yeah. But his previous best in a whole season is 13. Wow. And the best, he's done, he's done it twice, in 47 games and 52 games. So what's the difference this year then? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's playing a different position. He's playing essentially. He's playing centre forward. When Marsh, before Martial was back, he was playing centre forward. Yes, but he scored more of his goals from the left. So he's playing off the left now. I think he's matured to a point where they've said they tried him up front in the number nine. He didn't score any goals, and they went, "Okay, your best position's the left." So when Martial's not been available. They played Mason Greenwood up front. Mm. Um, or they've tried Jesse Lingard as a false nine because they've just gone, no, you know what? Your best position is there. So I think that's made him go, okay, this is where I'm meant to play. This is what I'm meant to do. Mm. Um, and he's a form player. Once he scores a couple of goals, he keeps scoring them. Um, well, he's confident. You can see he's confident because what he's trying, he's constantly trying. Um, the thing he also needs to add, though, is if he can add the ugly goals in because, like, Sterling... Um, has really added the tappings to his game. Yeah. Um, and I think if Rashford can add the ugly goals, he can score 25, 30 goals a season. 
and that yeah. makes him that whole different level up. That's what gets your stats up. Greenwood is more of a traditional centre forward, isn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I've not seen enough of him to really judge whether he's going to be good at that. Yeah, I but, don't think anyone knows it. Like, he's been good at it in youth football, but but just having that player on the pitch has got to be good for those wingers that cut inside, which is essentially Rashford and Martial. Yeah, that's that's their role. Yeah, is to cut back, cut inside, yeah. and if, if it doesn't work, play off the man who's, who's running ahead, running ahead of them. So maybe he's just absorbing a lot of the pressure from the defence as as attacks are, are taking place. I think also we play pretty, you could call it long ball. It's basically direct. Like it's defend. We've been defending well. We've got one of the best defences in the division this year. And then get the ball forward as quickly as you can to the really quick blokes. And it's quite simple. And it worked brilliantly against Man City this week. And it works for someone like Rashford. He plays well against the big teams. He scores more goals against the top six than anyone else. Yeah. Because he's playing against defences that are pushed on. And then because he's got his pace, he can get in behind. Here's a question for you. Before we, before we um, uh, disappear down a self-indulgent alleyway. Yeah. Do you, have you noticed the resurgence in long ball tactics this year? Yes. Yes, and lots of people are doing it. Like Liverpool's first goal against Bournemouth was just a long ball hoof. And two of Liverpool's goals against Everton yeah. were long yeah. ball hoofs. And Obviously, when I say long ball hoofs, it's a bit different to, <laughs> to the old Sam Allardyce yeah. way of just you know, like play it up to the to big the, bloke to the Andy Carroll and see whether you get a knockdown. Yeah. It's not. It's almost a um, uh, a, a pinpoint long ball. Yeah. It's a long pass, not well, a think, hoof. Because for years we've had the. Everyone's wanting to play the tiki-taka and do the Man City thing and pass it around and have possession, play it out from the back. And in reality, if you've got the ball and you've got a quick guy, just pass it over the top to him as quickly as possible. Spurs scored two goals um, when they won last week, not this week against Burnley. And two of them were just straight over the top, Daily Alley, two goals. Well, I mean, it, it's not... Um... It's not revolutionary, is it? Now, I don't mean just long ball, yeah. but hear me out. It's not... Yeah. When... Teams are playing playing out from the back, playing possession football, trying to cycle it through the three areas of the pitch um, whilst trying to keep their shape. The best way to avoid that high press is to just Go hoof over it the over the top. Yeah. And if you hoof it over the top, you might have a, a two-on-one or a, or a, or a one-on-two yeah. or whatever they're left with at the back having kind of yeah. pressed you up, up high. And it feels strange that we're only just seeing... Uh, mm. Uh, you know, we talk about these cycles in football, don't we? Yeah. And and we talk about we spoke about playing out from the back and tiki taka and whatever. And then the you know the last few years, the counter attacking, uh, there was a, you know a group movement towards counter attacking football, yeah. where actually we were seeing teams um, cancel each other out because they were both counter attacking teams, and yeah. and no one knew what to do in the middle of the park. Now we're seeing almost a. a a strategy against that, which is the long ball, because yeah. the high press, if the high press doesn't work, you just hoof it long. It's working. Ooh. As long as you've got players like Trent Alexander Arnold, yeah. or who can, who can long ball it with precision. They can play a pinpoint long pass. We'll call it long pass, not yeah. long ball. Cause it's yeah. not a hoof, <laughs> yeah. but it's really, um, it's really evident that it's working. These last three or four weeks, I've seen so many very good long ball goals. Yeah. Like, man, this, this stuff doesn't go unnoticed. And um, if you take Man City against Man United this week, and then Man City played Burnley last week, and we said Burnley won't play well against Man City because what they do is defend and hope. And what Burnley did is they defended deep and hoped and then lost 4-0, 4-1 or whatever mm. it was. Um 
because they didn't threaten. If you watch the Man United-Man City game, when Man City attacked, they Man United defended well, but also left three players up the park. So you might be outnumbered a bit, but you defend your penalty box, make sure you get it. And then when you get it, they've only left two players back. So you were three on two every time. So the first half hour of the Man United-Man City game, when Man City were attacking, you never thought, Oh no, you just thought as soon as we get this, we've got a chance. Yeah. And you just get it forward quickly. And then you have Daniel James and Rashford super quick bombing on and stuff happens. But you know, arguably, I've even seen Man City play long ball. Yeah, yeah. And that's that goes against everything yeah. we believe. I've I've seen them score goals that are Otamende or Otamende, Otamende, <laughs> or Stones knocking it long from yeah. the back, or even the keeper Edison. Yeah, which is just so um, unnatural to see that that team do that. That it, it has to be one of these evolutions that we're seeing in in English football. So kind of keep your eye out for the next few weeks yeah. because these cycles happen, and more than I can remember, I'm seeing long ball. Uh, be a success and not be a last resort. The last thing I wanted to say on Rashford, going back to the question, he's only a month older than Tammy Abraham. Now, Rashford has been around for years. And so I think the fact that he's been around for years and we've had high expectations for him, he got into the England team at 18, is we've considered him to maybe underachieve and mm. not get be as good as he could be. But in fact, he's the same age as Tammy Abraham, who's having his first season in the Premier League and everyone's raving about. And he scored more goals than Tammy Abraham in the Premier League. And he's played 100 Premier League games. He's that much more mature. And people like Raheem Sterling took a while to get really, really good. And I think we could see Rashford in the next two or three years actually become really, really, really good. So who's a better player, Abraham or Rashford? Oh, different. Because because Abraham's number nine and plays as the forward guy, I, I'd compare Harry Kane and Tammy Abraham, and I say Harry Kane's better. Rashford, I'd compare with Sterling because they play in a similar position, and Sterling's a better player now. But I do think Rashford's got the ability to be. I don't think he's as good a dribbler as Sterling, but he could score as many goals as he does. He's he's stronger. Yeah. Um. And uh, I'm just doesn't don't want to just insult Raheem Sterling, but I feel like Rashford is more. Um, more of a maverick than Sterling. Yeah, Sterling is so good and he's so smooth, but he does what you expect him to do. Yeah, he just does it incredibly he's well. A bit of an Arjun Robin. Yeah, like, yeah. He's he, going to cut in on his left and do it. He, he, you know exactly what's right. happening, and he's going to get there for the tapping. Yeah. And and he's just, you know, it was always said about Sterling. We were bang on about this before that you know, as long as once he starts getting his shots on target, the kid's going to be great because he's yeah. always there to yeah. get his shots on to get his shots away. But um. But I feel like Rashford's got something in his locker that is always unexpected. He always takes a quick shot or, or whips a ball the way that they're not expecting. I mean, he um was it this week or last week he scored at the near post? That was last week, yeah. Last week. Good Phenomenal yeah. goal. Um but I've got to say, I'm getting a bit sick of people talking about the near post. <laughs> As in the goalkeepers yeah, mucking I'm, up. I'm just so sick of it. Right. Rashford's that this that goal. Yeah. Um he and Martial scored a similar one this week exactly against the Man right. City. Now, are you telling me that that was a bad strike for Martial? No, it's great. That goal. was incredible. Yeah. And the, the near post is an option when you're shooting a ball, right? Yeah. But we have got this this fixation that if it goes in at the near post, it's the goalkeeper's fault. Yeah. That is like ingrained into you as a, as a kid. You're like, yeah. which means that you're almost embarrassing him by trying at the near post, and everyone's going, to go, "Oh, the goalkeeper yeah. should have done better." 
Actually, no, it's just an option. Goalkeepers only have two legs and two arms and the goal is very big. Yep. So they can't be covering space and covering the near post perfectly. And when, when players know that and they know that you know goalkeepers are going to be protecting their near post, they should go far, mm. it is an option. It's a, it's a strategic choice of a centre forward or a winger to place it in the near post. And actually, we need to give that a lot more respect than just saying it's the goalkeeper error. And I think it also comes from old school... Your wingers used to go wide and cross it in. Yeah. Your wingers now cut in and shoot. Um, and the, uh, Martial's goal on the weekend against Man City, he gets the ball and you don't really think he's going to shoot. And he knows that no one thinks he's going to shoot. Probably from that position, your best bet is to pass it back or cross it. And then he just takes a pot shot and quickly does it round the corner and the keeper's not ready for it. And that's why it goes in because yeah. it's a smart, quick Decision. And if it's low, like like Martial, yeah. it's like low to your feet and like came in off the post, didn't it? Bounced yeah. in off the post. Yeah. That's a fucking great goal. It's yeah. perfect. If you're going to go near post, you go low where it's hard to get as goalkeeper. You go fast. Yeah. It was a proper strike. Went in off the post. You, you, I'm not going to sit here and say that the goalkeeper should have done better. I'm going to say that's an excellent goal. But we don't we don't say that when Harry Kane scores. You know top of his strength yeah. you know it goes on the roof of the net we don't say goalkeeper error no. just because it's the near post we blame, blame the goalkeeper I'm just getting pretty sick of it no that's fair enough okay as in you're not the Man United fan are Man United back are they doing something good they're sat in fifth five points off fourth everyone's in fifth John yes <laughs> true no that's a very good point um, well there's less teams in fifth now there's a bit of a gap in the middle of the table um but they've won two in a row. They've beaten Man City and Spurs. Um, I did read somewhere that maybe Pochettino getting fired by Spurs was the best thing that could happen to Man United because suddenly they're Ollie's motivated to win games. Because <laughs> if he doesn't win games, Pochettino gets. Yeah, but, but have they turned a corner? Is Ollie doing things right? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, firstly, to credit Manchester United, the last two weeks I've watched them and. I have been incredibly impressed. The the pace that they've played at has been frenetic. Um, it's been exciting to watch. They've been fallible. So yeah. they've, oh, they've, definitely. they've had mistakes in them. But the way that they counterattack reminds me of the way they counterattacked when Oli first got there. You know, we were we were talking about him kind of yeah. reinstilling this Manchester United identity, which was essentially a counterattacking team. Mm-hmm. The nineties, the early two thousands, all Alex Ferguson did was counterattack incredibly well. And we forget that. We forget that they didn't always dominate possession. They didn't play yeah. like Man City. They weren't this new style of football. Yeah. They were a counter-attacking fast side. And they just had Beckham and Skulls and Van Nistelrooy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a good team to counter-attack. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, back to your question. Have they turned a corner? Yes, they've turned a corner. Because, you yeah. know, Oli's the only manager in world football to beat Mourinho and Guardiola in the same week. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that, that's that's, <laughs> that's awesome. amazing. However, yeah. how many have had the opportunity? You know, they're yeah, not true. always in the same league. Yeah. But when they are in the same league, they, they're at top, top sides. Yeah. Um, Tim Sherwood said something that should never be listened to because it's Tim Sherwood. But it was the first thing he said in about five years that I went, well, that makes sense. And he said, managers are never given the chance to get better. So players get better. That's and typical Tim Sherwood because he's not given the chance. Yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, you didn't give me the chance I to be got good at my job. Yeah, exactly. So take it with a pinch of salt. But there's something in that that I think's true because Ollie came into the job as a very naive young manager and a bit like, Jesus, I'm manner of Man United. What do I do? Have fun. And then went, oh, this is hard. And now has got his head into the job and is getting better at the job. 
He's been doing it for about a year now. You're always better at a job a year after you started, and he should gradually get better at it, which kind of makes sense. So maybe he's working out a way to be better at his job. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, it, he needed this. He needed this yeah. week because... Yeah. Was it the game against Bournemouth? Was that a draw? Sorry. If yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I think so. Um, you were having some bad results this mm. year. Obviously, you were looking at your league position. There. And so this week, it, why does Ollie always manage to do it? He always manages to pull out the bag just when he his head's on the chopping block. Well, also, we've the games we've lost have been the kind of Newcastles, Bournemouths, Villas of this world that are kind of lower down the league. We've beaten or drawn against the big teams. And that's partly because we play counter-attacking. So mm. we're set up to play that. So I think if the next step is to go, okay, a bit like Wolves last year, worked out how to beat the big teams, or get points against the big teams. Now suss out how to break down people that defend. If you get that right, then suddenly we're in a really good position. Yeah, I was very impressed with Manchester United's performance. I, I, you know, I w- would be the first to say that I wasn't. You know, okay. so, yeah. t- t- so it takes me a lot to to pull that out. But uh, you were excellent. Were were Man City crap? Um, is is Pep in a bit of a pickle now because they've lost as many points as they did last season this season? So they can't get to the well. They can get to just the ninety eight that they got last year to win the league. So they've, in theory, if Liverpool keep going as they're going, they're not going to win the league. Has something changed? Have they lost a bit of intensity? Is there something? Oh, this is something else that's been doing my head in this week. So sorry, John. There's no, lots of positive t- things to talk yeah. about this week, but I'll start off with my wind yeah. is. There, there it seems to be uh, this consensus that Pep's lost it. Mm. Like I, I've, I, I keep feeling like that. The undercurrent <laughs> is this is crisis. Pep's not going to care. Everyone He's, wants him to fail. Yeah, well, of course, because yeah. everyone's hated this machine yeah. that we've watched for the last two years. They've loved the football, but they've they've hated the fact that it exists. You know, it's, it's perfection. Yeah. You just want to see yeah. a beautiful person be punched in the face yeah. and break their nose, never to be healed again. <laughs> like, that's what that's all you want in life. That's all I want in life. It's like punching a puppy. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a bit, well, that's a bit mean. okay. Yeah, I mean, if it we was all a, like puppies. maybe if it was a pug. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> expensive puppy you, you know what you know what I'm yeah, getting yeah. Um, so there seems to be this this movement towards it being the end of Pep yeah. and I, I feel like you know in the last two years or the two years prior to that what they averaged 100 points a season or, or yeah. 198 points or 100, in two, yeah 198 you know I mean? two points like, that, in two that's seasons insane um, whereas I, I, I heard someone pull out a statistic this season saying uh, this is the first time ever in Pep's top flight career that he's lost two home games in the season. The wheels are coming off. Like, take a step back, people. He's lost two home games yeah. and you're telling him the wheels are coming yeah. off. Are you fucking kidding me? And there will be an inevitable point that you that there is some kind of transition. There is some kind of lull to that winning mentality that does it every week. Yeah. Now, I also think that... Um, you know, there's an, there's an equivalency between Man City's points total. Uh, it's only just lower than Leicester's when Leicester won the league at the same point, and they were the best team anyone had ever seen yeah. in their lives. So I feel like there is a there's perspective here. Liverpool are doing extremely well. Yeah, they've only dropped two points all year, and that was a draw. Do, do you know Liverpool have now won 24 out of their last 25 league games? 73 points out of 75. See, you, that's ridiculous. You can't. Like you have to keep that in context when you say uh, the wheels come yeah. off Man City. We can't say that Man City are 14 points behind Liverpool. Pep's lost it. Yeah. Actually, 
Liverpool are insane. Yeah. They're not even playing well and they are just raking in the points. So I feel like we need to take that into account when we judge Man City's performances. It's normal for football teams to lose games. Yeah. Usually after 38 games, the best team is top of the league. However, it's only happened once in Premier League history where that best team that were top of the league didn't win so didn't go unbeaten and that was Arsenal and Arsenal's unbeaten record they actually didn't have as high a points total as Man City or Liverpool had last year they only had 70 something 80s but yeah they drew so many games exactly right and yet that's held as this this unbeaten amazing we're never going to see another Invincibles team as good as Arsenal actually we've seen a lot of teams better than that Invincibles team because they've won more games than that Arsenal team did so I think we have to take to perspective the form of Liverpool when we judge Man City if it wasn't for Liverpool yeah again Leicester right now have more points than Leicester did at the same point in the season when Leicester won the league Man City are only how many points off Leicester six points I think so if Man City was six points off the top of the league there's no way they would be out of that. That's no. only six points. That's only yeah. two games. And Leicester have lost two games. You, you know, these that's a normal conversation. What's you know, skewing everything is Liverpool. You're right. Liverpool is skewing it. What I enjoy about Liverpool skewing it is Man City are closer to Burnley in 13th than they are to Liverpool in first. See, it's, it's, it's these crazy. Things, these things are insane. Um, yeah. I, so that's, that's my, that's my opinion. I don't think, yeah. I don't think they're crap. Um, I just think that, that the league itself is being absolutely stretched. I do think my, one point I would make on Man City is maybe they've not replenished their squad well enough, which I, as soon as I say it, I don't want to say it because that makes no sense because they spend £60 million on two players every year. But still the mainstays of that team, Sergio Aguero, David Silva, they're kind of, they're older and they have they you're not looking at it going, oh this guy's coming through this guy's pushing that person like Jesus hasn't really bombed on as much as you would think he was going to. Sane's injured. There's you, if you look at the Liverpool team where they've changed the squad uh, a lot in the last couple of games and players are coming through, you suddenly go, oh there's some more players here and they've got more happening. And yeah, but Man City's bench is better than Liverpool's bench. On paper it is, but I don't know whether it's just the, that kind of youngsters, that hunger. They may, like, maybe they're all comfortable being a squad player at Man City, earning 150 grand a week, going, oh yeah, I'll get 30 games a year and probably play Champions League, probably win the league maybe. Yep. And there's not that kind of, this seems to be a little bit of hunger gone or something not quite right. And in a way, when you... Um... Well, we were just talking about Rashford, right? We were just mm. talking about the Rashford's creativity and the fact that Rashford can be a maverick and mm. he, can, he can do things like that. Now, Man City have some of the best players in the league. Some of the best players yeah. the league has ever seen. Kevin yeah. De Bruyne yeah. Yeah. should be in the conversation of the best Premier League team of all time. Yeah, if he's definitely. not there, it's through nostalgia. Yeah. You know, that he isn't because people yeah. are, you know, glory yeah. jizz all over yeah. Paul the, the, you know, their memory yeah. of yeah. people. <laughs> Actually, deep down, you know, Paul Scholes was... A, Brilliant, amazing football, but you also kick the shit out of people. Yeah. Right? Where <laughs> De Bruyne doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they've got that, but what they don't have, in my opinion, is the is the hunger of someone like Rashford. Yeah, I don't feel like they have Mavericks. I feel like they are so drilled and so good at their jobs. Now, this isn't saying Pep's lost it. This is saying Pep has actually achieved his goal. Yes. Everyone in that team knows exactly what their job is, and they're very good at it. But as soon as that machine is is put off course slightly, 
then they don't have that maverick nature to work out what to do on the spot without coaching, without instruction. Yeah. And they Pep know their role. Has never in his career rebuilt a team. He's mm. built the Barcelona team up to be amazing and then left. Built the Bayern team up to be amazing, then left. And he's built the Man City team up to be amazing. He's never had the ability to go, mm. okay, I need to lose two or three players and get two or three new young ones through. And he's never actually replenished a team. Like everyone talks about Fergie, it may not be able to replenish a team. Pep's never done it. And if he's going to make something happen, Man City, I'm not saying they're past it or they're rubbish mm. or whatever. Um, but if they're if he's there in two years' time and they win the league in two years' time, that doesn't involve Aguero, that doesn't involve David Silva, and it, it does involve people like Phil Foden and Garcia, the centre-back. And they've got to bring those people through. And you don't see that happening. Yeah, and, and you would argue that the... Um, that he spends so long blooding in a player because he needs to make sure that when they get on that pitch, they are a cog in that machine, mm. which is why the Fodens of this world don't get to go express themselves and lose the ball five times. If they lose the ball five times, they won't see it. They won't see another football for a month. Yeah, because so they they train and they coach and they make sure that they are perfect. Now, arguably, you'd say this is Pep achieving. Because what he wants to do is have his footballing vision played out by his team on the pitch. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. We've seen it for the last two and a half years. That It's, it's incredible what he's achieved. But yet, the you'd argue the most maverick player he has is a player he didn't really want, which is Mares. Yeah. He, he's the one who will go against the He'll plan do something a bit to do whatever the hell he there. wants. Yeah. Now, that's you can see it when he plays that yep. actually what he's doing is not very Man City and that's the reason why he's not in the first 11. Yep. So so the players that they have that can shake things up, for lack of a better term, yep. don't get the game time because they're not that cog in that machine yep. and, and that is his greatest strength and what is now becoming a bit of a downfall. Yeah. Um, let's move on to... Uh, so it was a great week for me at Man United. It was also a great week for you and Everton, Jeff. Yes. So... Uh, you beat Chelsea 3-1 at home with Big Dunk in charge. I did not see this coming at all. <laughs> um, but also, as a non-Everton fan, i got to say, it was incredibly joyful to watch Duncan Ferguson run around on the edge of the pitch, getting so excited by scoring, uh, by celebrating the goals, picking up the ball boys and hugging them and stuff. It was great to watch. It's got no legs. Oh, it, oh, it's oh, a me, one week wonder that will go down in history uh, like there is n I've been you know the question this week has been why wouldn't they just give him a job if he can get that no 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 stop talking about that don't give him the yeah. job like he, yeah. he's not He's not a first-team modern he's, coach. He's a bit like the Labrador, but he's kind of a Great Dane because he's just this big, ah, lumbering... Yeah. Uh, what you want to give him is the Man United game. Yeah, which is next week. But we'll, we'll get to that, I guess. The, so if you were to watch, uh, I'm not sure if you if you did, but his pre-match press conferences. Where he teared up a few yeah, times. Yeah, three yeah, times yeah. that bloke nearly cried. Yeah. It is the greatest day of his life. Yeah. Like, literally, he said, yeah. this, he goes, I've been in cup finals, I've, I've scored goals at Goodison, This, but this is the best day of my life. He said that he couldn't sleep. He slept for two hours, went home, his kids were still awake, Like, couldn't, yeah. had to pinch himself, woke up in the morning, woke up at 2.30 in the yeah. morning, had to pinch himself, went early into the training ground. It, Essentially, as a player, if your players like Dominic Calvert Lewin and um, Tom Davis, and Tom Davis, yeah. and you have had Duncan Ferguson as your coach for the last five years, because he was brought in by Martinez, yeah, uh, because and that was a really good decision because Martinez wanted to bring the identity of the club back. Mm. So, uh, you know, 
at the time it was like, yep, great, get him in because we need yeah. like we need people trained some strikers, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is good. But you know, Duncan Ferguson wasn't. He was excellent for the type of football team he played in. But he's he's no Tammy Abraham. Do you know no, what, Do you know yes, what I mean? He yeah. doesn't have a locker full of stuff. No. But what he does do, he does exceptionally well. Yeah. Or what he did do, yeah. and we we kind of idealise what he was. But yeah. he was a big lump. Get, he was a big lump. He was fierce, and yeah. you wouldn't want to go up against. Him. Yes. So to watch him be kind of a a bit of a puppy dog, a bit of a so emotional about it, and for players who who had him, you know, we talk about the effect the manager has. They knew how much it meant to him. I, th- I think this is the difference. It's not that he inspired them. Like he gave a team talk that meant yeah. you need to try hard. It's that these people who have been, you know, in the doldrums, see this man that they respect, knowing that this is the best day of his life. It's a sold out Goodison Park. The the noise when everyone walked onto the pitch, when Duncan Ferguson walked yeah. out, the noise is like nothing I've seen at Goodison all year. So these players are going we're literally going to do it for him because this is the best day of his life. We have had a tough time, yeah. but fuck, I'm going to try hard for this bloke because this is magical for him. Yeah. He will have it forever. Now, of course, it doesn't work every week. No. That that works for a single game and scoring an early goal helped. Oh, yeah. Man. Whereas that went in, the crowd just erupted oh, and you're and just like... Oh. everything. Yeah. And the the fact that he went to 4-4-2... Um, yeah, I love that he just—he was just like, "Try really hard, and yeah. we'll play four-four-two. Yeah. This is our tactical genius." Because he didn't have all week to train with him, so no. he's like, "What does everybody know how to do?" Yeah. Right, everybody knows how to play four-four-two. Yeah. I'm going to play a left back, a right back, two centre backs, four in the middle of the park, two centre forwards. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do right now. I want the wingers get up, get up and down, get up and down, <laughs> up and down, and midfielders put tackles in. And yeah. speaking of tackles, you know they've got 36 tackles, right? Yeah. Which is the most of any Premier League side this season. Yes. It's also the most that Everton have had in a single game for a decade. It's crazy. Which which they yeah. were just trying. Yeah. Now, doesn't it infuriate you that it's in, this play, in these players to try that hard it's, and that's not what they were doing? It does infuriate me, but it's that thing of going, that's not sustainable. Like, they played the Champions League final that on Saturday. That was it. That was To get yourself up to do that every week is almost humanly impossible. And there's very few people who could... Roy Keane was one of those people. Like He was like that in training every mm. day. And it would be annoying as all hell to be in training with him because there's no letting off and it's constant. And you can't... You just, as humans, I don't think you can... St- keep at that level for a whole that season that level of intensity yeah it's cup final intensity isn't it yeah and it was wonderful to watch as an Everton fan it's been a tough year very rare do I wake up in a good mood but it was just a wonderful weekend the same as you when you watch it it's so hard not to love what was going on yeah. I don't want anyone to get carried away you're right it's a cup final it's a single game uh the, you know the game itself Richarlison's goal was good. The other two goals were defensive errors by by Chelsea. Um, I don't think that the, it was the perfect team to play for a few different yes. reasons. I don't think that Chelsea's kids had it in them to get the shit kicked out of them yeah. all day. Yeah, and that's what he did. Essentially yeah. what he did. He just said, try... Like He was talking about... You know, we've spoken about Chris Wilder saying that, you know, oh, they had passion, they tried really hard and they ran. Yeah. He goes, well, that's standard. That's what, that's meant what to you do. have to do. Everything yeah. else is, is icing. Yeah. If you don't do that, you don't deserve your shirt. Yeah. And that's essentially what they did. And I'm not sure that Chelsea were expecting it. No. Um, and again, Lampard isn't a good manager. No, sorry. I'm, well, no, yeah, no. Well, I was going to yeah, because I was going to say that is Frank getting found out a bit here, and 
Chelsea have very good players and have been on a great run of form. But when it gets hard, it does. he doesn't really know how to change it or what to do within that scenario. And he didn't prepare for Everton to play 4-4-2 and to play at that intensity. And he didn't adjust his team to counteract that. See, that's a, you make exactly the right point. I don't think he has in his locker enough alternative strategies that he has worked on. He doesn't have the tactics yeah. bank yeah. to go, okay, I'm playing a hard-hitting 4-4-2 side. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to play a 3-5-2 uh, a or whatever yeah. and, and play it wide across yeah. the, the attacking fullbacks. Or go long ball behind. or whatever. Or... I don't think he had that. Yeah. And he didn't make changes that represented that. He made like-for-like changes. And he certainly didn't make on-field changes with, with levels of intensity, with covering certain players. The fact that Calvert-Lewin was unplayable, you know, part of me <laughs> likes that. The other part goes, Their defense on, was crack. Like, yeah. this bloke is not... He's very rarely unplayable. So what was he doing? How it... I always think of it, you know, when, when coaches come out and go, oh, well, they want every, they want every first ball. Like, no. Yeah. That is not a reason for anything. You, that, that's... You, there is no excuse to not at least be competing for first balls. Yeah. If you are competing equally... There isn't a team that wins every first ball. You win 50-50. Yeah. You know? So if they win every first ball, you've got a mental problem or a coaching problem or an inspiration problem. And I think Frank Lampard was found out for being limited in this game. So he was the worst person to come up against this Everton side on this day. I do think, yeah, you, you created a perfect storm of bad idea for Frank, great idea for Dunk, put it all together, all goes wrong for Chelsea, all goes right yeah. for Everton. And for Everton, it's enough of a scalp to give some faith back to the club, for the players to think our position is false, we are better than that, we can do this on our day, and it also gives the board a bit of time to choose a manager. Because had he gone out and done a Jungberg and lost his first game, it would have been like, well, why don't they have a plan? Why don't yeah. they have a plan? And actually, now they can go, right, we've got a short list, but I'll tell you what we're going to do, we're going to give Big Dunk the Man United game next week, because away at Old Trafford, that bloke... Will yeah. you know if it was a cup final last week at home home against Chelsea? Yeah. It is a very traditional game of football, whatever. In a way, at Old Trafford and Big Dunk has played in those games, yeah. and he will do exactly what he did this week. Yeah. It will be flat back four four two. Work your nuts off. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It will be great, and what will be interesting is is whether United's front players cope with that. But I yeah. do think United have a better um, defensive shape. I think United are used to a bit more rough and tumble than the Chelsea kids. I think your centre-backs are better. Fred had a very good game for Manchester yeah. United. So I do feel like you're coming into the right type of form to approach this game better than Chelsea. Predictions for Man United Everton next week? One all. One all? I, two one Man United. Cause I, but I don't think it's going to... I think we'll scrape a win. I don't think it's going to be a dominant win. I think we'll concede. But I do think... Our pace up front again will cause you guys problems. Yeah, that's the thing. That even though Chelsea were limited, they did get the ball in behind a fair few times. If we run at Yerry Mina and Michael Keane. Yerry could... is injured. It was Holgate. And I got, oh, and, that's right. And Holgate, in my opinion, if it wasn't for Calvert-Lewin being unplayable, Holgate would have been man <laughs> of the match. So yeah. his, his placement was great. He made simple choices. He cleared the ball when he should have. He laid it off simple when he should have. Yeah. But the whole plan was to get it forward to the front players. It's it's almost Tim Sherwood football. It's defend, <laughs> kick, get to attacking players, score goal. <laughs> right, let's move on to some non-Tim Sherwood teams. Liverpool and Leicester keep winning. Um, I want to start on Leicester. 
we talk about Leicester a lot, but they're just really, really good. Like they I can't are. get over how good they are. They are the closest to Liverpool. I just want them to keep going. Like they've won eight in a row, which is more than they did when they actually won the league. Mm-hmm. I can't see them keeping going, but I really want them to. <laughs> I'd argue that they're playing better than Liverpool. Um, and I, I don't mean mm. that in a, you know, the table doesn't lie. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'd argue that Actual they're playing a better wise. brand yeah. of football than Liverpool. However, Liverpool are far more ruthless than Leicester. But what Leicester are putting together is is phenomenal this year. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and Jamie Vardy just can't stop scoring. They're playing to his strengths, though, John. Yeah. They're, like, he's running behind. Like, he, he, yeah. he's running through. He's running behind. They're kicking long balls at him. That second Jamie Vardy goal where, where he just sprinted and it came oh, off yeah. of his knee and then you put it in the bottom corner. <laughs> Is there a more Jamie yeah. Vardy goal? Yeah. It's brilliant. And then the first one, he runs through and fucks it up. And then because he's run so fast, he's ahead of everyone, so he's got time to sort it out and do it again. That's, like, that bloke... It's, okay, oh, I'm not going to ask... Who knows what's going to happen in the Euros with with Jamie Vardy? But I, I think the fact that he's not thinking about England, the fact that it's, he's not aspiring to anything else, means he's concentrating on his football. Leicester are ones to watch. They've been ones to watch all season. Um, but we we do talk about Leicester a lot. And we don't talk about Liverpool. Okay. Uh, Liverpool. What they won five 0 against Burnley. Yeah. Burnley managed three shots. One of them. No. Was- Liverpool beat. Bournemouth three nil. That oh, was Spurs. Sorry. Then they beat three. They put Bournemouth three nil. So Bournemouth have lost five in a row now. Um, that was it. it. Was Bournemouth who only had they only had three shots. One of them was blocked, and two of them were off target. Yeah. And Salah scored. Um, and so Salah now in a hundred appearances in the Premier League has scored sixty-seven goals, which puts him sixth in the all-time list of 100 Premier League appearances. Really? Which, considering he had a chunk of time at Chelsea and didn't really play and didn't score, is incredible. So what's his ratio at Liverpool? I have no idea. I've only got most Premier League goals in first 100 appearances. John, John, no good. Where's Rodgers with Um, (laughs) fact-checking? But it means he's... It's Shearer, Van Nistelrooy, Aguero, Andy Cole, Torres, Mo Salah, and he's ahead of Harry Kane. Which is pretty impressive. It's amazing. Um, Player who impressed me a lot in this game was Naby Keita. Yes, my favourite, Naby Keita. He was brilliant. And this is, uh, I've just said 20 minutes ago, whenever it was, that uh, Man City have got a better bench. But when Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita can come on and dominate a game like this, it does scare you a little bit about what Liverpool are capable of doing. And Oxley Chamberlain's a £40 million player. Naby Keita's a £55 million player. That's kind of what. Man City have on their bench. Maybe like, I'm wrong, yeah. And But also they come on and they're hungry and they perform and they add a little bit of X factor. Like Navigator was brilliant. Oxley chamberlain scored some great goals recently um, and suddenly you're going, oh, Fabinho's injured for three months, but does it matter? Well, not really because Navigator can play there and, and do you, do everyone you know can have a rest. And You know what impressed me about Cater was his assist. Oh, the back heel? Uh, yeah, because... Um, no, that was uh, no, that was that was Salah. Salah. The, the yeah, back heel yeah. was his assist for Oxley Chamberlain. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, because when you're coming on as a substitute, or not coming on as, when you, I say coming on as a substitute, when you're not a starter in the first eleven and and you get your chance to assist for the first goal is very selfless. Yeah, it's one of those things that you you, you might not get another opportunity to impress. You might not get a headline. You're yeah. giving the headline to someone else, and this is your chance. So what that strikes me as is team unity that it's about the greater good. Because the first thing he wanted to do was score a goal for Liverpool as opposed to score a goal for himself. Yeah, And Keita, what you would 
noticed with Cater last year is he was making the wrong... We spoke about it on here. He was making the wrong runs. He was picking the wrong pass. He was... When they were playing, he'd come on and it would just kind of go wrong. It would come off his heel. It just wasn't working right. Um, and I think Klopp's really good at nurturing players into the team and mm. giving them time to go, okay, this isn't working, but that's all right. We'll work on it, keep working on it, get fit, get better and better. And now he looks like a natural fit. And suddenly you look at the Liverpool midfield and we've said for a while, oh, maybe the midfield isn't that dynamic. You've got Fabinho, James Milner, Henderson, um, maybe Wijnaldum or whatever. And then suddenly you add in Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita and you suddenly go, well, he's got six really, really, really good centre midfielders. Yeah. It's, it's you know, we don't talk about them enough, I'd say. We're going to move off pretty quickly, but we don't give them enough credit no. for what they're achieving no. and the depth that they have. What they're doing is ridiculous. I think it's almost too good. And I think you're almost just waiting for it to go wrong. But this thing, it's not too good because they, they look fallible. Yeah. Like they're not playing as well as they could. They don't look like they've hit their strides. They win 3-0, 5-0 and they've not hit their stride. That's the thing. It, it doesn't look as good. They're not apart from obviously Salah's back heel was oh, yeah. something else. But um but on the other end of that, I did want to talk about Bournemouth. Because Bournemouth lost at home to Liverpool. They've now lost 5 in a row. They're 15th in the league. Just yeah, just one point off the relegation zone. Is this the hopefully the end of Eddie Howe? Like, has he got it all wrong? Everyone knows I hate Eddie Howe. Well, it's it's very hard to to judge them on their current form because of their injuries. Yeah. We, we talk about that quite a lot, but all four of their starting defenders are injured. Yeah. Their whole back line is out. It wasn't before this Liverpool game, but when Nathan, Nathan Ake got yeah. got injured, that's their fourth. And um. And I heard an interview with Eddie Howe afterwards and he said that that changed everything for them because they knew that. They knew it was ramshackle when Nathan yeah. Ake was holding everyone together. Like he was the experienced one. And then straight after that down, Liverpool score. Their heads just go down and they're like, yeah. oh, what is this? So I say that we can't judge them without a backline, but the league is relentless. They're coming into the busiest period of the Premier League with no, no first team defenders, not one of their four first team defenders. Which means that, yes, we can't judge them, but are we going to wait until March when they're fit to start judging them again? And if we do, where are they going to be when we start to you know rate whether they're a good side or not? They, they can't afford this at this time. And at, at the bottom, you've got your Southampton. Like, I think Norwich and Watford are basically down. They've still got time, but, but there's the Southampton, Villa, West Ham, Bournemouth, Burnley, Newcastle. You put in that group that one of those lot's going to go down. And at the moment, Bournemouth are the one that aren't winning games aren't scoring goals, aren't keeping clean sheets. They're the ones that look like they could be in, prob in a bit of problem. And they play Chelsea away next week. So Chelsea have just got smashed by Everton. And if you're Chelsea, who do you want to play at home next week to go, oh, oh this will be a friendly, nice game. It'll we be can... the opposite yeah. of the <laughs> bloody tumble dryer you just lived through. Yeah, Bournemouth, it'd be perfect. So I can't see Bournemouth getting anything out of that. Do you know, selfishly, I want them to go down. And well, I, yeah. I just hate watching games at Bournemouth. Oh, just because of the low camera? Yeah, I bang on about it all the time. Whenever you watch a game at Bournemouth, the camera is so low, it feels like like a League 2 on someone's <laughs> iPhone type of game. I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of it. I've been sick of it for ages. So purely selfishly, piss off Bournemouth. Um, well, let's go on to Spurs-Burnley. Let's start on the Burnley side, because whilst we're talking about relegation, Burnley lost 5-0. Um, and Burnley running out of steam or 
has Storm Dice created such a scenario now where his teams just don't bother trying against the big teams and then only win the games around them? Because they lost 4 or 5 1 to Man City the week before. But then when they play a Newcastle or a Bournemouth, they get a 1 0 win. And it just seems like they completely give up on the games that don't matter and only win the games against around them. Well, okay, here's. here's I've got a theory about this, right? Mm. So, you know. We talk about players who who get um, oversaturated with a manager's tactics. Yeah. You know, like they, they don't respond to it anymore. You, we could argue that we've seen evidence of that this year with Spurs and, and Pochettino's tactics. You could argue Man City and Pep's tactics. I actually think that Sean Dyche is bored of his own tactics. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I would be. Uh, do you, know you wake up in the night and go, oh, oh I'm going, I know what I'm going to do it's tomorrow. Been, he's been there so long. Yeah. I feel like he is he's he does his own head in like it it's so formulaic from his perspective about himself that actually how do you then remain inspirational like if you if you're so set in your way and you're so accepting of your lot then how do you inspire a football team around you to to overachieve you don't because he's not stressed right now he he's he's sitting there and he, he's 13th and he's not stressed because he's been pragmatic about the league table and he can, he can he can look at the fixtures and go okay well we're going to get here and we're going to go yeah, yeah. But, and they yeah. and they play burn uh, newcastle at home next week and you'll go yeah they'll probably win that 1-0 yeah probably probably will yeah and it will probably be uh, ball out wide and it will get crossed yeah. in and it will be bundled over and, and so be it and I don't want to like give into the cliche of the way Burnley play football because sometimes they score great goals yeah. but the, the way he manages a football team is is very static yeah no so true um, but let's go on to the good bit of that game which was Son and Kane's goals now Rog is not here but he thinks Son's goal was overrated and I think Rog can't defend himself and he's not here and he's completely wrong. Because it was one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. It's just so much fun. I love it when a player picks up the ball in basically his own penalty spot and just runs the length and just sprant. And yes, Burnley players should have tackled him. Someone should have just kicked him and take him down. But he went so fast. And it's so rare that you get to see someone run the length of the pitch and score. It was brilliant. So you loved it? Loved it. Okay. I loved it too. Good. Uh, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let you in on that. Um... I, You're wrong, Rog. I loved that he took a little look up first. He did pause, didn't he? And went, oh, pause, what, looked up and he what saw I do here? that there was space to go into. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of those goals that I think the legend will surpass the fact. Yeah. So I'm already hearing people say, oh, remember when Son like dribbled past eight players? Yeah. I mean, he didn't. He, he did. just kicked it and ran past yeah, the eight like, players. Yeah, he sprinted <laughs> past eight players. Yeah. Dribbling past eight players is like... When Messi and... and yeah. St. Maximan do a skill. Yeah, it, it, like it's, it's different. You know, yeah. Messi dribbles, takes his time, can take on eight players, yeah. can can dink it, can dummy yeah. it, and then chips the goalkeeper when he's there. Son just sprinted <laughs> forwards. It was perfect. I absolutely loved it. Keeping his composure to finish it. I just yeah. thought, that kid has got something. He's so good. And uh, I do think... It's been talked about that he's underrated, but I do think he's genuinely very underrated. I think if he played... For Barcelona or for Real Madrid or Juventus, one he would get in their team every week, and two he'd be considered one of the best players in the world. I think because he plays for Spurs, and maybe because he's not the main man at Spurs, he's a little bit underrated. Um, I just think he's really, really good. Well, I mean, 
you know, it's those things. When whenever we talk about players being underrated every week, they're rated. Yes. So but, I, I think Son's I, I, excellent. I think he's in the top six, seven players in the world. You think that high in yeah. the world? Yeah. In the world, he's really, really good. I think, and I think that's why he's underrated. I think people go, "Oh, yeah, he's really good," but no, I think he's genuinely one of the best players in the world. Yeah, great. Well, it was a great goal, um, and it's only a goal like that that would detract from Harry Kane's two strikes. Both his goals were amazing. So good. On any other week, you'd be like, "They were incredible." But also at the same time, because it's Harry Kane, just kind of go, well, that's expected, isn't it? Yeah, you expect him. He just smacks it 30 yards out, smack it straight in the corner. Um, Is he any good, Harry Kane? I'm not sure. One season wonder. Yeah, he's a bit of a one season wonder, (laughs) isn't he? Like, I still don't get it. I still don't understand if he's good. He does things that are good. But he doesn't, like, he doesn't look like he can really run. His celebration's rubbish. It is rubbish. He scores so many goals. Sort it out, mate. Don't just, like, Tim Henman it. But I just, I think that's kind of, what is personality? He never gets too high, never gets too low, and just I'll just score a goal and or stroll around yeah. a bit. I still can't work it out, and then he does things like that, and I think I'm an idiot for not for not rating him. But don't get me wrong, I rate him. Yeah. He's obviously the best striker England's got. He is. He's amazing. Amazing. He's been amazing for years. I just think he's constantly overachieving. Yeah, no, that's true. Unlike, um, unlike Son, who's probably underachieving for his gifts. We have to go on to a public apology to you now, um, Jeff. Oh yeah, here we go. So. Newcastle won uh, against Southampton, coming from a goal down to win 2-1. Um, and Rog messaged us on WhatsApp this week to say that he thinks he needs to make a public apology. So I'm making it on his behalf because he thinks maybe St. Maximin is actually quite good. And I'm not going to apologise yet because I still think he's accidentally good. He's, he's never plans anything he's doing. It's all an accident. But I kind of—he reminds me of Tino Aspria. He's this kind of flamboyant player. You never know what's going to happen. He might score a wonder goal. He might just fall flat on his face, and it's great fun to watch. Well, okay. So obviously, I basically scout with this bloke. Was like, <laughs> like, like week one, <laughs> week one. I'm like one to watch. I'm adding a section yeah. to the shed. This is one to watch. Yeah. This bloke. Um, without uh, having it in front of me, and I'm sorry if I'm getting some of these facts wrong, but. I read an article about his upbringing and he's basically a street footballer. Yeah, He's okay. not yeah. an academy kid. Yeah. He's someone who's he's just played with his mates, fearless, better than everyone else as he grew up, was bo- born with the confidence he's got yeah. and it was just reinforced by the fact he was better than his mates in the street yeah. and has slowly worked his way up through professional football through trying his best yeah. and being so arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> and that he's managed to land his land himself in the Premier League with exactly the same attitude. And it's he's one of those players, I'm not going to overhype him, but he's one of those players that, in my opinion, it is a privilege to to see at this moment in their life. Because yeah. in two, three years' time, he will have had the the monotony and the the expectation of football drilled into him so much by Steve Bruce exactly right yeah. remember I'm not going to say he's like Ronaldo but remember yeah. when Ronaldo came on the scene the the sheer excitement yeah. of when he had the ball yeah because he wasn't Ronaldo at Real Madrid you know yeah. when Ronaldo was, he was pragmatic Ronaldo yeah. at Real Madrid he was all about scoring goals and stats and, and yeah. records and whatever but, but he used same, to just do stepovers yeah St. Maxman has this level of um, naivety yeah. that it's a privilege for us to be witnessing a player at this stage of his career with that much ability that much talent playing for a club that let him be free 
because it won't last forever, and no. he might he might be like a Michu at Swansea. You remember? Yes. Where he, he was just there. It was brilliant for one year, and then just disappeared forever. Yeah. So I just think we need to enjoy him, not put too much pressure, not judge him too much, but just go when you watch him play football, just sit back and enjoy it because there aren't that many players in the Premier League that play like him. No, that's because a fair point. It's yeah. rare to see someone move up the pyramid like that. Yeah. So just enjoy it because I think he is something else. Um, a couple of other things on Newcastle. They're sat in eleventh on twenty-two points. They are nine points better off than they were this time last season under Rafa Benitez. So, Steve Bruce is doing something right at Newcastle and getting them playing well. However, they had their lowest attendance of the season this game. They only had 42,000 there, I think. And they've come out today to say that they will give away um, half-season tickets. So, for the second half of the season, they're giving away half-season tickets. And it's first-come, first-served basis they go on sale tuesday so today um and you can just phone up and go can i have a ticket and they go yeah sure you get it over the half the season because they're struggling to fill the stadium so they're doing better than they were under rafa they're getting more points i'm pretty sure most of it's an accident because i don't rate steve bruce as a coach but he must be doing something right but all the fans are staying away and it's a very and Mike Ashley's still Mike Ashley, so no one likes him, no one wants him there. But it's a very odd scenario that they're actually getting results, doing okay, but no one's going, which is not like the Newcastle fans. And now Mike Ashley's given away free tickets. So okay, this is a this is a big thing. Um obviously you know the history you we know the history of Newcastle. They sell out they should be selling out their stadium every week. Mm. It's one of the best in the country. I absolutely yeah. love it. And their fans it's are a, amazing. It's a one club city. Yeah. Newcastle should be underachieving in playing good football. Yeah. That, that traditionally, Newcastle played in a way that was exciting, but didn't win games. Yes. You know, that, yeah. that, that's, it was great that's to watch, but all just go wrong. Now it's the absolute opposite. Well, there's a few yeah. things going on here. Yeah. Firstly, from a football perspective, it's the absolute opposite. Yeah. Newcastle are, are doing well enough. They're on 22 points. But the football is so bad. Like, yeah. so bad. Yeah. It's some of the worst Premier League football I've seen since... Um, Burnley, well, no, Stoke, I've, West Brom. Burnley do something like it's just yeah. Probably yeah. since since remember those there was a few seasons without going too far down. There's a few seasons where West Brom went up and down every year. Yeah, yeah. When they were in the Premier League, they were horrible. When yeah. they went down to the Championship, they were good. Newcastle are playing that brand of football. Yeah. It's really, really, really crap. Yeah. So if you are in a town in a city like Newcastle where money is tight. Jobs are scarce. Austerity, because of a fucking Tory government, has yeah. just robbed you blind for the last 12 years of your life or however long yeah. those cunts have been in charge. Yeah. And Sorry. No, <laughs> no. Hopefully only two more days. <laughs> and you've got to choose where you spend your money. You would rather be in the relegation zone and entertaining than mid-table with Steve Bruce dishing up some horrible football. It's winter. You know, mm. Maybe perhaps they've just put a jumper on and stayed home <laughs> because why spend your hard-earned money on something that won't entertain you and it in a in a city like that with the history that they've got with a club like Newcastle United they are entertaining yeah that's how it works and also if you're going to be not entertained but you want to support your team do you want to give your cash to Mike Ashley do you want to your hard-earned cash that's 50 quid a game or whatever it is do you want to go oh yeah this is what I've got I the footballs are not going to be great but we I want to support the team all my money goes to this bastard. Yeah, so it's there to be enjoyed, right? Yeah. So everyone who went to Goodison Park this weekend had a blast. Yeah. Best thing that's going to happen for them for the next three months. Yeah. You know, you'd argue that yeah. that's like the best occasion. 
Newcastle don't have that. They haven't got that on the horizon. They won't have that this year. It's just not going to happen. They, and they know that. But that's what they should be treated to. Mm. So I, I, I genuinely think, you know, I've supported bad football teams. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm an Everton and a Melbourne City fan, you know. <laughs> I, I've lived for the last 10 years of supporting Melbourne City, having bad football teams. People just stop going. Whether you're performing okay in the league or not, you're, you're 10th, nothing to play for, play bad football, there's something else to do, no matter how much you love that club. And obviously 42,000 people yeah. still feel that it's worth it. But there, there, is, a, there is a group of fans who are just going to go, I'm, I'm get, football's there to be enjoyed and I'm getting nothing from this. Um, one last thing on Newcastle, John Joe Shelby scored. He's got five goals in the Premier League this season um, and six in his last 16 which is the six before that took him 120 games. Wow. Um, but he's, that means he's got the same amount of goals in the Premier League as Deli Alley and James Madison. Eng- Amazing. England call-up? No, he's on the twatometer, isn't he? he yeah, he's, get he's, yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> in the twat club. He's hanging out with Adam Lallana. <laughs> Who else? Adam Lallana, James Madison, Madison John, Joe John Joe Shelby. Shelby. They're all just like gambling. Yeah, like, yeah just buying expensive bags. Yeah. Um, um, do you have anything else on the Premier League you want to talk about particularly before we go on to side stories? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, it's, okay, I've got to, but West Ham's capitulation against Arsenal was pretty woeful. This morning. Yeah. yeah um, they looked like they were holding on. They were good in the first half, um, scored a goal, and then about seven minutes happened and everything yeah. changed. Um which is such a sign of a team with no confidence. Absolutely. Once the first goal goes in, heads yeah. go down. Um, so I think it would be a shame to let this week's shed go past without getting your opinion on whether Pellegrini is is a dead man walking. I think he's got a go- I just, the I've never rated him, and I've said that a lot on here. Um, I think he has to go. And there's just a severe lack of ideas at West Ham. There's nothing new happening. They're not changing it. They played Mikel Antonio up front this week, um, which I liked. Attacking centre forward, flair striker. Right back, yeah. Mikel Antonio. <laughs> um, but I just think they're lacking ideas. And to lose after being 1-0 up against a poor and completely confidentless Arsenal team. Um, I was just looking on here. I haven't got the scorers on here. But um, yeah, Arsenal shouldn't basically West Ham are one nil up you win that game you're at home make sure you get a point at least out of it and then if you go a goal down you just go pragmatic and make sure that you make something out of this game and they didn't do that Um, the one thing I do want to say is that Arsenal started Martinelli who's the I think he's Argentinian striker who's 18 and he's played in the Europa League and he's um, played in the League Cup and he scored a bucket load of goals, and they just don't play him in the Premier League because they have a Bemiang and Lacazette and Ozil and Pepe. And I think you just got to play the kid. I think he's really, really good. And when he plays, he scores. Started this morning, scores a goal. Yeah. Like, just and, like- um, well, it's because they got a Bemiang and Lacazette, so it's hard to it's hard to say. Yeah. They're already playing too many strikers. <laughs> Buy some defenders. Um, Bemiang's goal was good. Quick, yes. quick mensch for that yeah. kind of scissory, kicky, yeah, side no, that was very good thing. If, I mean, if Arsenal sort out the defence, they're good. But did um, you uh, hear the state hear the thing about the stadium announcer doing this? No. Game? So the West Ham stadium announcer announced that David Luiz was coming on, and they went, "Oh, sorry, it's Gunduzi." <laughs> In the stadium. That's awesome. Outrageous. Um, cool. Do you have any uh, side stories, Jeff? No, 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 no. That's it for me. I've got one that actually came through from Chris on Facebook. Um, you know, last week we mentioned the um, 
Ballon d'Or. Yes, yes, yes. So the voting comes in. Um, there is a Sri Lankan reporter called Hafiz Marikar. And so it's voted for by um, journalists all over the world. Which is why Mare's got bloody... Yes, number 10th or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this guy from Sri Lanka, his for the last three years, he's put in his votes and it got published this week, what he's mm-hmm. voted for. So this year, his number one was Trent Alexander-Arnold. What? Number two, Abemiang. Number three, Griezmann. Number four, Lewandowski. Number five, uh, Ter Stegen, the Barcelona keeper. What? <laughs> and then last year, he went Hazard, Firmino, Pogba, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Harry Kane. And then the year before that, he went Bonucci, De Gea, Falcao in 2017, Hazard, and Kane. In the Who is this bloke? He's a reporter in Sri Lanka. Um, but in the whole time, he's never voted for Messi once. Wow. So uh, He must be doing it on principle. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it, it interesting that Lewandowski doesn't get the the props that he probably deserves. I think he's crap. You think he's crap? I Yes. I, I'm glad he you scores like that. five goals in six minutes or whatever. Like, Plays in a crap league, flat track bully, never does it in the big games, never does it in a big Champions League game, doesn't do it for Poland in the World Cup or Euros. He's oh, crap. John, I disagree. I, I think he's he is one of the most natural... Strikers I've seen since Van Nistelrooy. No. No, I just, like, I just think he's... in. He plays in an easy league and he plays in the best team in that league and he should have gone to Real Madrid or somewhere and challenged himself and he's not done it. And Bayern Munich had the team to win the Champions League and in big games he disappears. And that's... You can't have that from your best striker. Uh, yeah, okay. I I think he's a top draw centre forward, and I, and I don't think he is ever mentioned in these in these. Obviously, we yeah. he's in the Sri Lankan list, <laughs> <who loves laughs> yeah. Falcao, and I think that's probably a like that's a blight on his reputation because actually I think Lewandowski is a top draw centre forward. He, there isn't a Premier League club that wouldn't take him as a, as as a player. No, I, I'd argue that he would he would be ahead of Jesus replacing Aguero in Man City's side. He would, but he's old. He's 29, 30 now, so he's a bit old. Name me a Premier League club that wouldn't take him. Spurs. He's got Harry Kane. Man United have got Mason Greenwood. Well, that's it. Come on. Mason no, Greenwood. Wouldn't like... you prefer Lewandowski to Mason Greenwood? Yeah. You are on record here, John. On record. I, like, <laughs> I would, but not, not Lewandowski five years ago, maybe. Oh, come but, on. If I gave him to you all wrapped up in a little bow and went, sorry, Mason, but this bloke's going to come in and just stand up front and, and feed balls to, to the two wide men. You're going to say no? No. You're a loon. No. You're a loon. I don't really But on that, it's the Champions League this week, so that starts again to, the, tomorrow morning. Um, so it's the last round of the groups. You know, Ancelotti's got a clause in his contract um, that says if Napoli get knocked out of the Champions League, he can, um, he can get the sack without a payoff. Oh, have you seen that? No. So, um, Everton going to get him? Well, there's there's talk that Everton and Arsenal are all talking to his agent because if Napoli lose this week in the Champions League, they get knocked out of the group stage at the Champions League. Wow. Which means that both teams can come in for him without actually having to pay for it. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Wow. Um, well, there is no end game this week because Roger's not here. So, Roger's ruined the end game for us. Um, so we'll come up with a plan for next week of what we're going to do for a game. Maybe we'll get Rog on the phone or something. We'll work it out. 
Um, but that's it for this week. Have you got anything else, Jeff? No, it's been great to have a date night, John. Yeah, it's, it's always good. great. Um, thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week uh, without Roger again don't forget if you want to get in contact ask questions tell us we're wrong about something um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks everyone see ya